new on Curiosity Street. Louis B. Mayer, Jack Warner, William Fox. Hollywood was the city of dreams, but the beginnings were a nightmare. You will never work in this town again! It's Titans, the rise of Hollywood. And Merapi, one of the world's most active volcanoes. Can we better predict its next deadly eruption? A new expedition hunts for life-saving answers on exploring the volcano. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Welcome to Silicon Valley Trends, a free podcast series published by Silicon Valley Business School. I'm your host, David Smith. At Silicon Valley Business School, we provide affordable, real-world, online business education to everyone, everywhere, and guide entrepreneurs towards success with their startup ventures. Today, I'm in San Francisco interviewing Justin Kahn, the founder of Twitch, the live streaming website that was acquired by Amazon for $970 million in 2014. Justin became famous for live streaming his life on Justin.tv and now runs a high-tech law firm called Atrium, which currently has more than 150 lawyers and support staff operating in a way that looks remarkably like a high-tech startup. Let's hear how Justin went from live stream pioneer to law firm CEO. Yeah, well, I've been an involuntary power user of corporate legal services my whole career, you know, <laughs> starting different companies and uh, successful ones like Twitch and being an investor at Y Combinator and, and uh, investing in companies. You know, I'd always been a customer, a client, and I felt like the delivery of services uh, could have been a lot better. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it was really great um, when I felt like there was an expert kind of taking care of me and like navigating me through something that was helping me navigate through something that was very complicated mm -hmm. uh, that required a lot of experience. So, you know, selling our company to Amazon, stuff like that. Um, and at the same time, I felt like there was a lot in the legal industry that uh, left a lot to be desired. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not a lot of transparency around where you are in the process of doing any sort of legal project. Um, there's often, uh, it's all unclear like, you know, who you should go to for any given uh, problem. Mm -hmm. And uh, the uh, law firms themselves did not do not really have an intrinsic incentive to operationalize or become more efficient over time. That happens when you're on a hourly, you know, kind of cost plus model. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, the pricing is oftentimes, you know, kind of feels like Russian roulette when you're opening the bills. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to solve those problems. We felt like Atrium could be a, um, you know, we could do that by changing the incentive structure and uh, starting with like a new model. Mm -hmm. That was the idea behind what we're doing. Yeah. Um, you know what, we met in Hong Kong and I've, I've been out speaking to entrepreneurs. We met at an angel conference thing. Ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. And um, the, uh, um, when I, overseas, I've found that entrepreneurs, when you talk about lawyers, they think, well, I call the lawyer um, when I'm in trouble, you know, to get me out of jail. Or, um, but, so I have to explain to a lot of the entrepreneurs in other countries that the, the lawyer in Silicon Valley is actually a really important part of the team. Partner in the business. Right, helps raise finance, and I mean, I have I've had some great experiences with my lawyers, uh, you know, raising finance and from overseas and elsewhere. But it's a, it's a, it's so you you provide a full package here, yeah. right? Uh, that's right. So Atrium is a you know full service uh, corporate law firm helping people with corporate transactional work. Um, so that's like everything from the fundraising side all the way through uh, you know M and A and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Uh, so 
yeah, there's a breadth of experience. We hired amazing attorneys um, from you know really great uh, law firms and who have a, a huge breadth of experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're applying that for you know startup clients and even big technology companies here in, in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. And what's the business model? Do you take? Do you get any equity or anything, or is it? Uh, no, so service? like uh, you know, it's it, it, everything is priced up front. Mm-hmm. So we we quote uh, pricing up front, and then we stick with it. And um, mm-hmm. the I- idea behind that is that over time we have the internal incentive to operationalize and become more efficient. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a lot of that is building technology or process to just improve the delivery of service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can tell you, I've worked in the, in the legal world with, um, since I went to law school and I've, um, I was an entrepreneur before that, I worked for Apple before all this uh, in marketing, but I'm just um, surprised by the lawyers I de- that I've dealt with. Uh, some of these law firms, they still operate in the same way this year as they did 200 years ago. I mean, yeah, maybe not 200 years, but... <laughs> 100 years you ago. Know, maybe 30 years ago or 20 years ago, right. definitely. Yeah. And you know, obviously technology has changed a lot since then. There's no reason that should be the case. Yeah, but you have some technology to help. Yeah, right. so we build uh, a lot of different tools that we use internally here or use between our uh, the, the clients and the attorneys. So those, those are things from, um, you know, kind of better internal tooling, better search across documents and, and document storage, uh, all the way through, you know, helping our clients store their legal records and you know, keeping a synced copy between them and, and our internal team to, you know, workflow tools that help them with specific things like a financing or hiring an employee, stuff like that. Right. Okay. Well, it's fascinating. It's definitely a huge market to go after. Um, There's a lot of money spent on legal services. If you can find a new model and build a better method, that's great. Um, But take us back. Tell us your uh, story about how you first got involved in startups and your own business. Yeah. Uh, Been in startups my entire career. Uh, We started back in 2005. I was an undergrad at Yale, and one of my friends told me, hey, let's start a company. He came to me and was, uh, he was like, we have access to all this intellectual capital, uh, we should start a company, and we have like no opportunity cost, right? So you know, our top opportunity cost was like playing World of Warcraft. I, uh, I did not um, really have anything going on when I was in school. And so uh, we, he, we brainstormed basically what kind of company could we even start? You know, we were really, in retrospect, wholly unqualified to do anything, you know, had no real career experience, uh, very little programming knowledge. Um, we decided to start an internet company because that seemed like low capex. And so we were brainstorming ideas and we came up with this, what Gmail had just come out and we decided, hey, let's start, maybe someone could make a calendar version, like an accompaniment to Gmail. Mm-hmm. Which is a pretty obvious idea because I think like a hundred entrepreneurs thought the same thing at the same time, and in fact there were so many calendar startups that came out after Gmail like in the next eighteen months, and uh, so our company Kiko was one of them. And in order to do that, my friend and I, neither of us who were very good programmers, well, he wasn't a programmer at all, and I was like self-taught, uh, could understand how to implement like this kind of JavaScript-heavy AJAX application. So we ended up going to. Another friend of ours, uh, Emmett, who uh, I'd grown up with, who was also at Yale, and uh, he was like a CS major, so he was kind of like the 
CTO mm -hmm. and uh, convinced him to start this company with us. So we, we founded the company and we um, basically just, that involved like incorporating a company and then sitting around for six months hacking on this prototype. Mm -hmm. uh, the really only good thing to come out of that was that we ended up um, uh, hearing from a friend about this thing called Y Combinator, which is the very first batch of YC startups mm -hmm. back in 2005. Uh, Paul Graham, who's the founder of Y Combinator, came up with this idea that he would like angel invest in like a batch of startups at the same time, I mm -hmm. think to make it manageable for himself. And so we joined that batch. Uh, well, first we applied. You know, we heard about this application. We applied in in uh, the spring, and it was like the night before the application was due. We applied, and um, you know, the application looked surprisingly similar to what it is today, actually. Uh, so, you know, except there were some kind of random, bizarre questions like, if you were an animal, what kind of animal would you be? I remember, was one of them. Uh, and so then we ended up uh, applying. And we heard back from Paul, actually Jessica, I think wrote, well, well, maybe it was Paul, but Paul and Jessica, the two of the founders wrote back and they were like, well, there were three kinds of companies that applied to Y Combinator. Um, the first was companies that uh, had a, you know, the founders seemed good and we liked the idea. The second was companies that uh, didn't seem like the, they were very good. And the third was the founders seemed like they could be good, but the idea was horrible. Mm -hmm. And you are in category number three. <laughs> so would you be willing to come up and talk to us about different ideas? Mm -hmm. So you know we were willing to do that. So we ended up going up there to, to Boston and um, to Cambridge where, where Paul was living. And we interviewed actually uh, with them, and uh, the interview was like 40 minutes, mostly consisted of us arguing uh, as to whether JavaScript heavy applications would be a thing. And uh, we were saying they would be, and they were taking the other position actually. And so, uh, luckily, they uh, eventually, you know, thought we were smart, and they decided to fund us. So we got in that first batch. Now that company did not work out very well because we raised a little bit of money from them, then we raised some angel money at the end of YC, uh, which was a summer program. It's kind of similar to how it operates today with these like dinners, weekly dinners. We got our start and we ended up, um, we ended up, uh, you know, kind of raising like $70,000 in the angel round after that. Mm -hmm. uh, but we didn't really know anything about bringing products to market, so we kept like, we launched our product, but we didn't really figure out how to do any sort of user acquisition. We just kind of expected users to show up. Uh, they didn't, not in droves anyways, and so we ended up um, getting kind of bored and launching all these other products. We would just keep iterating through like different products and never really consistently stick with anything, which is not a very good way to execute a company at all. So then we ended up, um, you know, we ended up uh, basically, after a year of like hacking on various things, uh, we ran out of ideas on what to do and, and uh, we ended up selling the company on eBay actually mm -hmm. as like a last dish effort to get money back for our investors. Um, it's kind of a crazy story because you know, selling your company on eBay is kind of a random idea, uh, a lot of, but we got a lot of interest um, from people and it ended up going for like $258,100, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've never heard of anyone selling IP or business or on eBay. It's, that's amazing. 
Well, it was an idea. Yeah, uh, we we actually thought of it wasn't my original idea to be honest. Like someone else had done that with their company, their website juxtu.com, which was kind of like a search site. They did it, and uh, we ended up, um, you know, we ended up copying them and selling for more, actually. So, uh, Two Cows, this internet company in Toronto, Canada, bought it. That was, um, and that's kind of how we got our start. And then we ended up, uh, that was our first company. Um, then we ended up, you know, starting many other companies and, you know, went on to be a partner on Y Combinator. And I don't know. So, the rest is. Did Y Combinator, did you learn all about how to be, an, you know, how startups work? What, how venture investors work and preferred stock investments are structured and all that? Did they teach you all that stuff? Where did you learn all that stuff? Well, uh, we didn't really learn very much of that from YC. We learned it mostly on the job, you know, being a founder. Mm -hmm. And uh, honestly, didn't know how any of that stuff worked beforehand. Yeah, so it was mm -hmm. like learning on the job. I think that the good thing about being a founder is like you really just got to get out there and mm -hmm. uh, learn. You know, you just got to get out there and uh, put yourself in a position where you're going to grow and you're going to have to be in com uncomfortable positions and like have to learn. And that's what I've always done and, and that's served me pretty well. So you just figured it out by getting out there and I mean, but were there other entrepreneurs you could learn from when you were there or? Yeah, I mean, Y Combinator was nice because it was kind of this community of entrepreneurs. So, uh, you know, the founders of Reddit and Dropbox and yeah. Weebly and all these other great companies were there. And, uh, you know, we learned a lot from, from seeing other founders who were like one or two steps ahead of where we were. Yeah, yeah. All right, now you've got to tell us about Justin TV. Yeah, so af after we started, um, after we sold Twitch on, or sorry, not Twitch, uh, Kiko on, on eBay, we ended up going and back to Paul and he was like, well, do you have any other startup ideas? And we pitched him this idea that was kind of like, um, it was like basically printing out a, a book of all your internet content. Like if you were writing, you know, a blogger or something, you could like get it, you know, do like make a layout and then print it into like a book. That was our idea. And like let your, let your fans order this, like a book. But he was like, well, that seems regressive. It's like the future of content is not in printed format. So yeah. uh, he was like, what other ideas do you have? And we had this other crazy idea, which was actually completely unrelated, that we called Justin TV. And it was the idea was, let's create our own live reality TV show about us. And uh, that was the idea. And he was like, oh, interesting, tell me more. So we kind of just, on the spot, we're like, well, we could, you know, we could, you could do live video on the internet, streaming 24 seven, and, Maybe it'll be a new form of entertainment, a new form of reality TV. So that's what we pitched him, and he was like, I remember Robert Morris, who's another partner of my commentator, was there at his house at the time in 2006, and he was like, fuck, I'll fund it just to see you make a fool of yourself. <laughs> so we walked out of there with a check for 50 grand, and that's how we got our start for our second company. Wow. And that company, Justin TV, we started off as, you know, we spent the next six months trying to hack up how do we actually create a live video service um, on the internet because there was no, like the infrastructure was not there. There was no iPhone at the time. This is like, you know, now it's dating me. It's funny to talk about this stuff, but like, yeah, there was no technology to do it. Now there's, you know, you can go live on Facebook and Twitter and stuff, but that didn't exist before. And so. 
uh, we started figuring out all the tech and then we launched as a show about six months later. Mm -hmm. uh, but unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately, a couple things happened. A lot of people showed up because it was a weird news event that this guy wanted to stream his life to the internet. But then they quickly realized that we were not very entertaining because I mostly was just on my computer all the time. Right. Uh, so they were like, go entertain us, number one. And number two, how do I create my own live stream? So eventually we pivoted the site to be a platform for any sort of live video and that's like uh, what we did and scaled for the next couple of years. And then I think after, you know, we met in 09, so that's like by that time we had been, um, we had scaled this live video site for a couple of years and it was like a pretty big website. Mm -hmm. Kind of like the YouTube for live video. Yeah, yeah. And then, so actually the transition to Twitch then was pretty straightforward then from there, yeah, I guess. Well, not really. So a couple of years after we met, it stopped growing. And we were like, well, what do we do now? Anything that's not growing on the internet, because the internet is growing a lot, is shrinking. And that's real bad for you, right? It's shrinking in market share. And so yeah. we decided to, um, you know, we decided to figure out how can we, um, like pivot into something that will grow. Mm -hmm. And so we incubated a bunch of ideas. It was a big debate among the co-founders or four co-founders at the time. We couldn't really agree on anything to pivot to, so we just incubated multiple ideas internally. One of those ideas was an app called SocialCam, which is kind of like a Instagram for video, because Instagram had uh, happened at the time, had been popular. And then the second thing was my co-founder Emmett really liked the video, the twi the video game video component, like watching video game streams on, on Justin TV, which is a very small, nascent part of the site. Mm -hmm. But he was like, this is the only content that I like. Mm -hmm. And so the rest of the content on our site is complete shit, basically. Mm -hmm. So we, de we decided, okay, let's work on this kind of content and like build a team internally that just tries to grow our gaming uh, streams. Uh, and then that is what seeded and became Twitch, ultimately. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like, so that was probably 2010 we started doing that, and then just worked on that. Four years later, uh, Twitch was, um, you know, a pretty big website, and then ended up selling to, you know, spoiler alert, sold it to Amazon for $970 million, and yeah. it was a pretty amazing outcome. Yeah. How did that, um, how did you hook up with Amazon? What happened? Was it, was there, a pro, was there, were there bidders? Um, Approaching you, how did that whole M&A transaction take place? Uh, I, uh, you know, when you're a big enough website, everyone's kind of always talking to everyone, and so, right. um, you know, I think they saw it as a, a really good business, which it has been. I mean, it's continued to grow really well, and under Emmett, em, you know, Emmett really deserves all the credit, to be clear. Um, you know, he, he really had the idea behind, let's focus on Twitch, and kind of was a product visionary and built it, and um, built it up, and so, you know, but still the CEO of the company today, and it's a huge company now here still in San Francisco. Oh, yeah, right. over a thousand people. I think it's like 1,500 or something. I don't, I'm not even sure what the headcount is now, but it's like amazing, yeah. Yeah, my, for my kids, my kids are 22 and 25, are boys, and they're, they, they think addicts. it's the biggest thing, yeah, they love it. Yeah. Tell them to watch more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, so um, how did you, uh, how did you then get from Twitch to, to here? I know we, 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 I met you and you had a, a, yeah, a cleaning so, so startup. After, 
working on Twitch for a couple of years. Uh, I started this other company called Exec, which is this um, kind of like Aaron running company, sort of like TaskRabbit. Mm -hmm. And uh, we ended up working on that for a couple of years, ended up selling it to um, this company called Handy. And then we ended up, I, I, uh, that was about the same, that was 2014, same year we sold Twitch. And then I joined Y Combinator. Uh, where I was investing as a partner yeah. uh, for a couple of years and then decided I want to get back to startups. Uh, I wanted to put myself in that growth position where I'd have to grow. Uh, startups are the best way that I know to do that. And so um, I ended up starting Atrium. Right. And um, you said last time I saw you, you were talking about taxes. What do you think entrepreneurs should know about taxes? Let's talk about taxes. Yeah, <laughs> this must have been years ago. This is when I met you at the um, after Twitch. Oh yeah. well, you know you should move out of California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. That's, that's my only. I don't really have any. I don't have any knowledge. You know. I mean, I think right. that. I guess you should like qualify for QSBS. Yeah. To those. You need good lawyers, right, to advise you on the setup, to try and set up so that you pay your tax to, to yeah, file those 83B elections. people should you know. pay their taxes, yeah. though. So yeah. like, worrying too much about tax minimization, I think, is like probably the wrong thing. You should just worry about building the biggest company possible. Right, right. Okay, so um, what advice do you have for budding entrepreneurs? What were the pitfalls to avoid and what are the things they should, you think they should do? Well, there's probably a lot of common advice that's like not super controversial that they've probably heard from other people like you should talk to your customers, right? right. Be close to your customers. That's like yeah. not that controversial. I think uh, another piece of advice that's pretty obvious that people give is like, you should just get started. That's what I always say is like, you know, I had no skills. We had no skills when we started our companies in the beginning and we just learn by doing. I think getting started and getting yourself in that position where you have to grow is like the most important thing. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe more controversial advice is like, I really think most people struggle once they have product market fit, um, they struggle to delegate. And one of my strategies is just like delegate as much as possible as early on as possible, um, which I, I don't necessarily think that, I mean, I think there's many ways to do it, but like that's what I like to do. Um, what other advice do I have for entrepreneurs? I built something you give a shit about. I think that's yeah. like, you know that keeps you up in the yeah. when it's when when you're down. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like uh, I feel like make sure there's values alignment early on with the people that you hire in the very early days is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Those team members. Yeah. You still friends with your different guys you started up with? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, really good friends. Emmett, you know, I, you know, like, very good friends. I had dinner with them two nights ago, I think. And uh, a lot of these, you know, um, I see them a lot, yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask you was, uh, before we wrap up here, was your brother. You're both entrepreneurs. He's been very successful as well. Yeah, he's also been successful. My brother and I started the shitty cleaning company together, you know, the Aaron running company that became a cleaning company. And then we ended up going... Uh, afterwards, I joined YC, and I was just so burned out of startups. So he was like looking for something to do, and he ended up starting Cruise Automation with uh, one of my former co-founders, Kyle, uh, of Justin TV. And so Kyle and him started Cruise, and you know they grew it for a couple of years, and then sold it to GM. It's a self-driving car company. Yeah. Uh, they sold it to GM for a billion in 2016, I want to say. Two years. 
that's that's pretty good return on capital. Oh my god, that's just amazing. Yeah, yeah. But did they have a lot of background in self-driving vehicles? Well, or? Kyle had some robotics experience from MIT, but yeah. no, they liked, right. I think they just learned a lot. But yeah. he's a great program. You know, Kyle's an amazing programmer and technical architect. Yeah. And did you and your brother grow up in a household where entrepreneurship was encouraged in your family, or was yeah, this? Yeah, a little bit. My, our yeah. mom was always, um, she was very entrepreneurial in, a, in more of like a small business way. She had a right. real estate agency and mortgage brokerage, and so she was yeah. always um, working hard, and right. that was set a really good example. Yeah, yeah. Right, well, thanks very much. And you're helping entrepreneurs here at Atrium, you're yeah, helping so them raise finance. And exactly, we help them with financing, corporate transactional work, you know, all the stuff that you need to do, yeah. commercial yeah. contracts, drafting and review. So, uh, you know, for the audience members who are startup founders or, or need legal, um, like for, for their fast-growing technology company or enterprise, yeah. come to Atrium. Atrium. Atrium.com, is it? Atrium.co. <laughs> .co. All right. Okay. Good. All right. Well, thanks very much, Justin. Appreciate your time here. Absolutely. Right. Cool. What a fascinating ride Justin has had since just 2005. As you heard, Justin and his co-founders were some of the first to get into the Y Combinator program. Since that time, Y Combinator has funded over 1,900 startups and generated a community of more than 4,000 founders. The companies, including names like Airbnb, Dropbox and DoorDash, as well as Justin's company Twitch, and his brother Daniel's company Cruise have a combined value of more than $100 billion today. If you're looking to learn more about the startup process, visit us at Silicon Valley Business School, where we have dozens of online courses, thousands of videos and reading materials, and you can join me in my chat room, where I can answer questions and help you navigate your startup towards success. I hope you'll join us for future podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe so you get new episodes as and when they're released. And please rate us in your podcast player, as this will help us get the word out to entrepreneurs and the other people we're trying to help with this podcast series. That's it for today. Hope you tune in to the next Silicon Valley Trends, the podcast for innovators and entrepreneurs.